On the Virtual Bible Study tonight, we want to talk about peer pressure and how it affects our kids. Yeah, peer pressure is a big problem. I think it's a big problem for everybody. It's especially a problem for young people. And so as parents, as as older Christians concerned about young people, we need to talk about how can we help them deal with this perennial problem of peer pressure. All right. You want to stay with us tonight? Come on. It'll be cool. Stay with us. Right. We'll, <laughs> we'll get started. peer pressure on Yeah, you. we'll get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, July 26, 2018. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Great to be here, Jacob. Good to be with you. Monty's behind the controls tonight. Monty, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jacob. It's good to be here. Good to be with you, and glad that you're on the other end of the line tonight. We want to hear from you at 877-381-4567 in the chat room over email at questions at collegeview.com. And we are post-community uh, Bible study tonight. That's right. We had our community Bible study on Monday and Tuesday of this week. We'd been really talking about it and telling people about it leading up to that time. Um, we had that event on Monday and Tuesday. had really great interest uh, and an enthusiastic assembly of people interested in talking about Bible things. And so it turned out to be a, a real positive thing. Um, we're having a little bit of problem with our audio and video archives of that event. On our collegeview.com page, there are links to the YouTube videos, but they have not been edited. So there's a lot of dead space at the start of the of the video. You can advance yourself through that quickly and get to the start of the presentations. But we'll try to correct that. Uh, we're having a little trouble with that, actually, and we have not yet posted the audios yet. We're having a little trouble with that. But we're going to keep working on that. But uh, at least uh, you can see the YouTube archives there on our homepage. All right. Check that out. You'll definitely want to, to listen to that. And uh, if you're listening tonight and you were part of that, you came and, and uh, attended those uh, meetings, we appreciate uh, that and ho- hope you benefited from those. Monty, it was a... A good turnout and good discussion and an encouraging discussion. Yeah, we had real good uh, participation from the community. We had a lot of visitors both nights. Uh, the subject matter was very good and valuable to us, and so I think anybody that was there was benefited from it or anybody that would look at it in our archives or the YouTube page or whatever, I think it would be a worthwhile thing for them to be interested in studying in. All right. And, Jacob, we might put out a request to uh, our listeners far and wide uh, our intention, Lord willing, if, uh, will be to have another community Bible study next year. We're always interested in developing a theme that will really attract the interest of our community citizens. So you who are listening, either live or in archives, send us an email. If you think you, you if you can think of a topic that you think would be particularly appealing to oh. uh Send us an idea. We idea. may or may not use it, but we'd love to hear from yeah, you. Yeah, maybe you're too far to come, but you yeah. still think, oh, that people would like to hear this or need yeah. to hear this. Yeah. Oh, good, good idea. Send out uh, send out some uh, 
for some help. Yeah, so give us a suggestion along those lines. Right. And, of course, give us a suggestion about topics you'd like to hear discussed on the Virtual Bible Study. And give us a suggestion for a car you think ought to have a bumper sticker on it. Like That's maybe right. yours. That's right. We so send, send us your, I sent one out just yesterday. Send, out, send us your snail mail address, and we'll get uh, you a bumper sticker. Yeah, yeah. so we we got bumper stickers. We'd like for you to help advertise the virtual Bible study in that way. Of course, probably the best way for you to help us spread the word about the virtual Bible study, as we're now into our 13th year of the virtual mm-hmm. Bible study, uh, word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Tell people about it. Maybe send an, by email, send a link to a friend and say, man, this is this is important and helpful. Try to listen. And you didn't tell the exactly straight there. We're in our 14th year now. Oh, we've concluded our 13th year, and we're starting our 14th. That's year. right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Make, get that right. I have trouble with that. Yeah. Uh, you know, where where does it start and stop? But if we are, we're beginning our 14th year. That's right. All right. Let's uh, get into the discussion tonight. Okay. Earlier today to our update list, and we always remind you, get on our list. If you're not, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, add me to the list. Uh, earlier today to our update list, we sent out these questions. How? Uh, basically, the, tonight they're not questions, they're suggestions. And we wanted your comments about these suggestions. We need to help our children understand that, first, their relationship to God must take top priority. Secondly, peer pressure has always been one of Satan's strongest tools. Three, worldly companions have always been a source of corruption. Number four, being the odd one in a crowd puts us under a strong temptation. Therefore, be careful about those we associate with. Number five, there's no need to fear people's opinion. Number six, we should never be ashamed of our convictions. Number seven, confessing Christ is an ongoing responsibility. Number eight, compromise means defeat. Number nine, great heroes of faith always had to deal with peer pressure. Okay. So those are those are some. There's a lot of points there. I don't know if we can cover them all. We can do it. Uh, but we want to talk about. I, I, so we're concerned for our young people. Uh, lots, uh, many who are listening have our parents who have young people in their homes, especially adolescent uh, kids at home, teenagers. You've got to really be concerned about peer pressure. If you're not, if you've got kids uh, under your uh, guidance and you're not concerned about how their peers might influence them, then you need a reality check. You, you, you need to wake up and smell the roses. Peer pressure is a problem. But it's not just parents. I think all of us who are Christians, when we think about our young people in local congregations, when we think of uh, uh, young Christians in general, we know that peer pressure is a big issue, and so we should be concerned about the kind of things that can be done to help them. Uh, probably all of us who are older can relate how we had challenges from our peers. And, and so it's not like this is a, a new thing at all. And if we just call on our memory banks just a little bit, we'll realize that, that there's a great challenge out there for young people. All right. And... Uh... And these these points that you mentioned tonight, I think uh, we'll have opportunity to use them. Maybe not use them all at one time. As different situations arise, different aspects of the idea of peer pressure will come into play and different angles that we can take to help our children uh, to be strong and to resist the peer pressure. And so let's start with number one, which I think is the bottom line, really. We start with the one that is the ultimate one. And the foundation. The foundation. The bedrock. You've got to help your kids We've got to help our kids realize that the relationship with God in their life is the single most important thing. It has to take top priority. Uh, 
young people make commitments uh, uh, and and others know about their commitments. And, and so if our young people will make a commitment to God and live it, others will see that and respect them for that. Um, I think in school activities and work and recreation, if we set uh, an example, young people, if you will demonstrate in all of the things that you do that your commitment to God is the most important thing, others will see that, will recognize that, and there's a, and it won't be everybody, but a lot of people, probably the vast majority of people, will respect you for your convictions even if they don't agree with you about those convictions. And people who are not even committed to God will respect that you are. And so if you let it be known uh, in your school activities, uh, yeah, I, I, I'll be on the ball team or I'll be on, in the band, but I'm not going to miss church to do that. I can't, I can't miss uh, the church assemblies, and I won't, there, there's things that I won't do if it compromises my faith. If you show that uh, to people, if you, in other words, if you make that commitment and you live it, People will begin to recognize that in you, and they will respect you for that. Now, on the job, I, I tell young people all the time, when you take a job, especially, for instance, a fast food job, if you will, at, at the very beginning, stand up for yourself and say, I can't work on Wednesday night and I can't work on Sunday, but if you'll make sure that I can have Wednesdays and Sundays off, I'll work any Friday and Saturday night you want. My my thinking is that every fast food manager would jump at an offer like that because Friday and Saturdays are going to be the nights that he has troubles filling out his ranks. Speak up for yourself. Let it be known that you you have a commitment to God and you're going to live it. And if 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 I can't maintain this commitment to God and be on the ball team, if I can't com- uh, fulfill this commitment to God and be in the band, if I can't fulfill this commitment to God and have this part time job then I'll just quit the team and I'll leave the band and I'll look for a different job because my commitment to God comes first. you got to, you got to have it that way. Uh, and if you live it, people will respect you for it. And as we think about helping our kids uh, make this a foundational stand that our relationship to God has to take first priority, then we as parents and grown-ups need to show that in our example. We can't expect our children to have a strong faith when ours is just a faith and a service of convenience. Uh, we're not totally committed to it ourselves. And I think that's where a lot of kids uh, go wrong is because they follow in their parents' footsteps, ironically, and uh, their parents aren't committed, and so they aren't as well. You know, I think, uh, sadly, I think that there would be a lot of parents probably who'd say you know that that you were just saying is, is ultra extremism you you really mean that they they're going to have to miss out on ball teams and band and maybe even have to quit a part-time job that's kind of extremism isn't it you're going to you're going overboard now well compare that to what jesus said he said in Luke 14, verse 26, If any man come after me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sister, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Wow. Sounds like Jesus was kind of calling for that level of commitment, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, and the problem is if you don't do that, if you don't commit to that degree, then you're, you're trying to hold this middle ground, and it's a continual battle. And and there and and there's no peace, and you're at a struggle continually. And I'll tell you, the the struggle will be lost. 
uh, you, you just cannot straddle the fence. Bonnie? You know, Jesus said to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you, talking about the physical necessities of life. So if we'll put Jesus first, put the kingdom of God first in everything we do, and if that means giving up a good-paying job because it's going to require us to miss worship, okay, I'll go get a different job. I might not be rich. I might not have a fabulous income, but I'm not going to go hungry. Jesus has promised us that. So, it, And that might it equates back over, like you said, about the ball games or the band or whatever function or activity we might be associating, wanting to associate with. If, we'll, if it's going to require us to miss out and, and put Jesus second, then we don't need to do it. And we just that needs to be our focus, God first in everything and these other things that take care of themselves. Yeah. yeah, I think you're exactly right. Couple, a couple points to make. We're not saying we were perfect about that ourselves. We've, we've, when we were young people, especially, we fought those battles. We weren't, we weren't flawless in our application. But, but the principle is right. Uh, we may not have been right when we were raising our kids, uh, but the principle is right. We're saying the principle is right. Now, you can say, well, yeah, but you're, you're a hypocrite because you didn't live it yourself. Well, we're, we're, we're fallible, but we're saying the principle is right. Money. It's not being a hypocrite by admitting that I didn't do so well at it myself and that I've learned from that mistake and grown from it. That's not being hypocritical. That's growing in Christ as we're taught to do. I think you're right. Well, and, you know, there's a lot of f- this focus in, in this discussion on attending worship services. And certainly God, our relationship to God is not all about attending exactly, worship services. Exactly. Uh, and he has to be first in everything. But I think the attendance and worship services sets the stage and sets the precedent for our children in all of their life that in this simple thing this visible outward thing god's going to have priority and so when it gets to those other scenarios where the peer pressure is kicking in we've established a principle here with them on a very basic level god's going to have priority in everything else as well yeah. And we're not going to give in to the peer pressure because God's first, not just in worship, but in every aspect of our life. Exactly right. I, I, I know years ago uh, we had a, a situation where uh, a young dad, his son was in Little League Baseball. They were really good family, good people. But it came all-star season. And, well, as it always happens, there was a conflict between the the tournament and going to church. And I was kind of surprised that this young dad kept his kid out of church on Wednesday night and had him at the All-Star Ball Game. And so I just, I just, I, I wasn't, I wasn't angry, and I didn't approach him in a mean spirit at all. I just, I just asked him. I said, "Do you realize what you realize what you did, didn't you?" He says, "What?" I said, "You taught your son tonight that baseball was more important than God. Just not all the time, maybe, but tonight it was." And so the, the and so the abiding principle that you taught him was sometimes things can come before God. And to that guy's amazing credit, because a lot of people get real defensive about that. To that guy's amazing credit, he said, "You're right. I won't do that again." Yeah, that's and, good. And so you know we got we're teaching lessons. And and the point we always make is you you can be consistent ninety time, ninety nine times in a row. You can have an exception once. The kids will learn more from the one exception than they will from the 99 consistent practices. So we've got to instill in our kids the idea that their relationship to God and their devotion to God is the most important thing. I know another instance where there was a, uh, 
a young man that was uh, on a football team. And uh, it came time for a gospel meeting, and he missed the whole gospel meeting uh, because he was playing football. And I asked his dad about that. He said, well, he made a commitment. He made a commitment to the football team. Of course, this young man was a Christian. He, before he was on the football team, he had made a commitment to the Lord. Uh, but that, that father, I think, made the big mistake of saying, yeah, you can compromise it. All right. Kent in Calhoun, Georgia, to this question tonight says, One relate, one's relationship to God must indeed take top priority as we will all be judged individually. There are times when people think they can get lost in the crowd. However, such will not be the case at the final judgment. We will all stand before Christ as our judge on an individual basis, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. Kent, thank you for those comments tonight. And let's get a break, and when we get back, we'll continue to talk about peer pressure. And it has always been one of Satan's strongest tools. I don't guess there's ever been a time when parents weren't concerned about peer pressure. Now, maybe they didn't call it peer pressure back in Adam and Eve's day. Uh, but uh, and well, there probably weren't a whole lot of peers back then at the start. But as time went on, peer pressure has been a problem since sure. the beginning, and sure. we're going to talk about that uh, on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Misconception number twenty-two: The folks at the College of Church of Christ don't like music. Some people say this, but it's simply not true. The fact is we love music and use it as often as we can in worship. Granted, we don't have pianos, organs, guitars, or drums, and we can explain that if you would like. But we do have music, good music. You ought to come and be a part of it sometime. You may have been misled about us. Why not come and learn the truth about the College of Church of Christ this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m.? Remember, the truth will set you free. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Men may be measured by their reaction to life's inequities. You never get ahead of anyone as long as you try to get even with them. Maintaining the right attitude is easier than regaining the right attitude. Opportunities are usually disguised by hard work, so most people don't recognize them. If you don't hear opportunity knocking, find another door. Man, wish I'd said that. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back on the virtual Bible study tonight talking about peer pressure and uh, how we can help our children to deal with that peer pressure. Yeah. Um, maybe a second point. We, we, made, we asked you to comment about this. Peer pressure has always been one of Satan's strongest tools. Maybe a help to our young people is to get them to realize that when their peers are pressuring them, they're doing Satan's work for him. That Satan uses that tool. Satan Satan is very wily. He has all kinds of devices. Paul even used that word. We're not ignorant of his devices, Paul said. Satan has lots of approaches to use to try to get at us. And peer pressure is one of them. It's not just for young people because I think all people are sort of pressured by their peer group. Young people are particularly susceptible to it. And so... We need to help our young people realize that when someone, one of their associates or friends or one of their peers, when when those people are trying to get them to do something that they shouldn't do, to act or think or talk or dress in a way that they should not, that's actually Satan tempting through that peer. And, and, and realize that, that Satan is using that to pressure you to do what you should not do. In Proverbs chapter 1, you, you were saying this has always been a problem. In Proverbs chapter 1, 
The wise man speaking to his son said, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, Come with us, let us lay wait for blood. Let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive as the grave and whole as as that go down to the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in thy lot among us. Let us all have one purse. The father says, My son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path, for their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. Well, you get the idea that the father figure in that scenario that was being described there was worried about his son falling victim to his peers. And we need to show our we don't need to be afraid to show our children where their peers are headed. And yeah. in, in those scenarios here, the, the father, the wise father is, is showing his, his son where this all leads. Verse 17, surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird, for they lie in wait for their own blood and lurk secretly for their own lives. Tell our children ruin them. where their li- the lives of their friends are headed uh, and um, and be bold about that. Be explicit about uh, the destination or the, the end of, of the activities that they're being tempted in. And again, I think all of us who are older uh, can say we, we speak not just from what the Word of God reveals to us, but by our own experience we know this is a tremendously strong force, a uh, powerful way of temptation that Satan uses. And so be on guard against it. Thoughts, Monty? Well, the, the reason peer pressure is so powerful is because we all want to fit in. We really and truly don't want to be an outcast or stuck over here by ourselves like a knot on a log and, and made to look foolish or different or whatever. We all want to fit in. If we didn't, we wouldn't care what our peers thought. So we we just have to understand that and be willing to be different. I mean, God's people are called to be different. We're supposed to be a light in the world, not just another shadow in the darkness. So we've got to get over this wanting to fit in and want to be different and be, so we can be a proper servant of God. Good. All right. Uh, Kent says Satan has always used peer pressure, not only among young folks, but in all age groups, we are accountable and have the responsibility of following Christ. He, he references Ephesians 5, verses 1 through 11. That passage in verse 11 concludes, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Yeah. And so it, Jesus and uh, God warn about allowing others around us to influence us. It would be helpful if we could get our young people to realize that when their peers are trying to get them to do something they shouldn't do, that Satan is actually using that as his tool. Uh, we need to be repulsed by it. It's, it's, it's a hard thing for young people in particular, but it, 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 and for us all, uh, as Monty says, we want to fit in. <clears throat> and so um, we, ju- we just need to see Satan behind it. Maybe that will be a, a, a help. Yeah, that, uh, that reminds me of Second uh, Corinthians chapter six, verse seventeen. Therefore, come out from among them and be se- be separate, saith the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you, and I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Come out from among them, as you mentioned, Monty. Be separate. Be different. Don't be afraid to be different. God expects that. And and being different, and, and you will be different if you're living for God in this world for sure. But any time in history of the world, but in in our day and in our society in particular, if you're living for God, you are going to be different. Uh, you cannot blend in. You are going to stand out. So just accept that reality. And then, but think like we were reading there in the Proverbs. You'll be different, but you'll also have a different outcome. Uh, these young people who are who are drinking. 
using drugs, experimenting with sexual immorality of all sorts. They're, they're going to bring, and, and, you, and you kids already know this because you've seen it among some of your peers, they're, they're going to bring upon themselves tremendous hurt and harm and heartache to themselves, to their parents, to their families, to their friends. And so just know that it has a bad, it has a bad end. Satan is trying to get you to go that way. You're going to have to be different. But being different, I'm always amazed when I hear Christian parents say, I don't want my kids to be different. Really? You don't want your kids to be different? You want your kids to do drugs? You want your kids to have sex with everybody? You want your kids to, to drink alcohol and get drunk and crash their car? And You say you don't want your kids to be different. That's pretty amazing. I'd like my kids to be a, be way different. All right. All right. So uh, the third thing we listed is... Know that worldly companions have always been a source of corruption. Uh, it's not, we're talking about, you know, it's pretty bad. Our, we, I think we live in a hard time for young people, a particularly hard time for young people. And there's just lots of challenges to being young in our modern world. But it's always been so. And worldly companions have been a source of moral corruption forever. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, the New American Standard Version says, Bad company corrupts good morals. It's interesting that in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul was talking about some, uh, the, the, the bad company of that context is that there were some who were teaching false doctrines, and their bad company would corrupt others. And so it could be, it could be something doctrinal, but, but in, in the application we're making tonight, it's more likely something moral, some moral issue. Bad company corrupts good morals. Yes, it does. And uh, and we need to understand that, and we need to be on guard against that, and we need to be teaching our kids to be on guard against that. Monty, you would warn your your kids about dangers. Maybe you're out in the woods about the dangers of snakes this time of year. You got to be warning them about uh, their companions and realize uh, that their companions can lead them astray. Be warning them about that very diligently. And the thing they get, we need to help our children realize is we get to pick our companions. It's not like uh, if they're in school that they're appointed, you're going to have to hang out with this bunch right here. I could, I get to pick my companions. When I was in school, I didn't pick very well on my companions. Uh, they led me to doing things I shouldn't have done. I knew good Christian people, and I would have been welcome in that group to associate with them if I had a chose to associate, for them to be my primary associates. So I get to pick my companions. So as we think about it, decide if you don't want to stick out like a sore thumb because you're doing right, then hang out with people that's doing right, and you'll fit. You can fit in with that group just yeah. fine. And we're talking about how we, as parents and older ones, can help our young people deal with peer pressure. I think parents need to pay extremely close attention to the companions their kids are with. Help them choose good companions. Put them in situations where they can be with good companions. But put your foot down when you find out that they're around the wrong kind of people. And there's going to be some battles. There's going to be some. There's going to be some real fights about that. Probably you got to win that fight because if you if you surrender and let your kids be with the wrong kind of people, it will not turn out well. Can we also say that parents need to fall to be careful about falling into the trap of wanting their kids to be the popular ones? Yeah. Jesus said in Matthew six verse twenty six, "Woe to you when all men speak well of you." For so did their fathers to the false prophets. 
Now, certainly he's not talking about young people and the peer pressure there, but the general uh, concept is we are not going to be the popular ones. Quit expecting or wanting our kids to be the popular ones. Teach them that they're going to have to be the ones that people don't like at times. Well, you, you just when you said that, it reminded me of several episodes when Jesus would cast out demons, and the, the, the demons tried to acknowledge him for who he was, and he he put he he commanded them to be silent. And Jesus basically was saying, "I don't I don't need a commendation from you. I don't need you to be commending me. I, uh, you're my enemy. We'll keep it at that level." And and so we want our kids to be. Are you sure you want your kids to be popular? You want you want the kids of today who are engaged in all of the kind of things we've been describing tonight. You want them to be the ones who say about your kid, "He's a great guy. Oh, he, he's yeah. the life of the party." Yeah, I like him. Uh, you know, no, you're going to have. You need to know that worldly companions are a big problem. All right. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven questions at collegeview.com. Kent says we need to be very careful as evil companions corrupt good morals. We cannot totally isolate ourselves from the world when we seek to engage in personal evangelism and present the gospel on an individual basis to those who have never obeyed it or those who need to be restored. Such would be a limited form of association. However, we must never allow the wrong type of people to have a greater influence on us than we have over them. And he references 1 Corinthians 15.33 as well. I think that's a good point. I think we, we want our kids to be... In, no, our kids can be a powerful teaching uh, agent for the Lord. And we've known n- numerous examples of where young people taught their school classmates or their peers and and brought them to the lord and they and and they obeyed the gospel and so we're not saying you should run and hide from the elements of the world what we're but we're talking about your friends and those that you choose to just let your hair down around that if you if you have worldly companions as the people that you recreate with then they're going to lead you in the wrong direction. Uh, but if 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 you're going to be in contact with the world, and if you see open doors for teaching, then that's great. Use those open doors. But I don't. But you don't have to go out on a drinking party. You don't have to go out and smoke pot. You don't have to go to the dance. Uh, you don't have to engage in sexual immorality. With the idea that, you, in fact. If you do those kind of things, you're ex- you're expressly going to defeat any possibility that you could influence someone for good. All right. We're taking a break. You get this week's little point and get your thoughts on the other side. You know, they're a little chicken in the chat room tonight. Come on. Come now. on. Join in. Come on. It won't hurt. Nobody. Well, I guess other people will know. But you need to get in the chat room tonight and talk about peer pressure. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. We'll be back right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. This is Greg Wynn with this week's bullet point. A study by Harvard researchers tracked 38,000 men aged 40 to 75 for 12 years. The results revealed that, quote, those who drank alcohol had 35 to 40 percent fewer heart attacks and that, quote, the best results came from drinking almost every day. This study was published in the New England Journal of Medicine. We are certain that there will be some folks, even some of our own brethren, who will quickly latch on to this study and use its results as further argument to justify the practice of moderate social drinking. 
This is anticipated, unfortunately, because there have always been some who desperately want to prove that drinking, at least moderate drinking, is okay. Their arguments are flawed and their conclusions are wrong. For sake of argument, let's say that the new Harvard study is correct. Never mind the fact that such studies are routinely discredited by the next research that comes down the pike. Also disregard the obvious and awful consequences of problem drinking. These problems wreck the lives of millions of people every year. Even if we ignore these things, the argument still fails to justify the practice. Consider this parallel example. Imagine that a new study finds that the adrenaline rush that comes from robbing banks is beneficial to one's health. It invigorates the nerves, expands the cardiovascular function, and stimulates one's immune system. It may even provide a cure for AIDS. Why not? Now, if such research was true, obviously it's not, would one be justified to go out and rob a bank? Certainly not. Any health benefit, real or imagined, would not offset the plain condemnation of stealing found in the Word of God. Ephesians 4, verse 28. Now, here's the point. God's Word clearly and absolutely condemns drunkenness and so-called moderate or social drinking. Read Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21. 1 Peter 4, verse 3. Questionable studies about health benefits notwithstanding, it's still a sin to drink alcohol. God's Word says so. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hello, this is Preston Jackson from Valdosta, Georgia, and you're listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight. We'll remind you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. We want you to come and visit with us, and we want you to find out where and when we meet uh, by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview.com. If you have any questions about us, about what we believe, what we practice, and uh, or just any question about a Bible subject or topic, questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use. And uh, Jeff says they could see us during the break, Monty. They watched Oops. us. Oh well. Um, I, I hope we weren't. I hope we weren't. Uh, you know. Uh, I don't think we out were of, out of inappropriate. But uh, <laughs> Dwight is in the chat room as we talk about peer pressure tonight. He says parents give in to many things which open the door for their kids to engage. If parents do things but don't allow the kids, such as missing Bible study or worship, then we become hypocrites to them. Yeah, I think you're exactly and right, no one Dwight. will observe yeah. that hypocrisy more than our kids. Yeah, that's right. Nobody learns more from, from our inconsistency than our kids do. And I think that's a really great observation. You want your kids to be strong. You're going. To, you you made this point earlier, Jake. You're going to have to be strong yourself. You're not going to have. Now, we have known cases where kids turned out to be way more spiritually strong than their parents were, but that's the exception. And the rule is that our kids will be weaker than we are, yeah. and so we're going to have to work on that. All right. You know, one way we can help our kids is talking about our worldly companions is we can set a good example for them, is that we don't go hang out with the people from work. We hang out with, with Christians, people that's going to be a good influence. So we teach our children how to pick good peers in order that peer pressure doesn't have to be a problem for them. We do it by leading by example. Exactly right. All right, now our next observation was that, and this goes right in hand with the previous discussion, but we said being the odd one in a crowd puts us under a strong temptation. Therefore, be careful with the crowd you're with. Now, that's the same thing we are just talking about. Worldly companions are a source of temptation. But in other words, Monty, you said earlier, we want to fit in. We don't like to stand out. We don't like to be different. I think the classic New Testament example of this is that of Peter. After Jesus was arrested in the garden, Peter followed from a distance 
didn't he he was he was and he wanted to fit in with the people he was with jesus was over there he was over here with this crowd of people and he didn't want to be identified as different from them and we remember how that went matthew 26 verse 69 now peter sat without in the palace and a damsel came unto him saying thou also was with jesus of nazareth but he denied before them all saying i know not what thou sayest and when he was gone out into the porch another maid saw him and said unto him uh, said unto them that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech betrayeth thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. And, G- and Peter remembered the words of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. And so... Uh, the, the the point there has been made so many times through the centuries, and you you all have heard it plenty of times too. If Peter had stood right with Jesus, he would have been stronger in that moment of temptation. But when he tried to blend in, and when he got with the with the in in the midst of that crowd of unbelievers, then they they destroyed him. And and so uh, Peter stands as an example of the point we're making here. If, if if you're the odd one in a crowd, you're going to you're going to make it harder on yourself. Don't be in that crowd. Don't be the odd one in the crowd. Don't go with that crowd. Choose a different crowd altogether. So you're saying we can sort of set the odds in our favor uh, yeah. uh, up front by yeah. knowing that hey, if I'm in a group of people that are doing this, it's going to be hard for me to resist that and to to stand up if whereas if I can associate with folks who aren't headed in that direction, then I won't have as much to fight against perhaps. Yeah. Uh, maybe along the lines of First Corinthians six or Second Corinthians six fourteen, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with lawlessness, and what communication hath light with darkness? About that idea of being yoked together, and and maybe we put ourselves in a situation where we get ourselves we are yoking ourselves to those who are we do. do we evil. we uh, again, I think young people are most susceptible to this. It can happen to any of us, but I think our young people are are prone to. Almost set themselves up for failure, Monty, by getting with the wrong people and spending inordinate amounts of time in the wrong crowd. You know, we've all waded in a creek or a stream that had a pretty good current before when we was fishing or something. And it's easy to go on downstream with the current and just fit in and go along. It's hard to walk upstream against the current. And the principle is the same. If we surround ourselves with a good crowd of people that's going to be morally beneficial to us, it's easy to go along with them. If we're with a, a crowd of bad people that's trying to influence us to do bad, then, in effect, we're having to try to walk upstream in a swift current, and it's a difficult thing to do. And it's easy when you're doing that, trying to walk upstream in the swift current, to lose your footing and fall, and then you're going to be swept downstream. And so it's just that principle. If we want to, if we want to be benefited by our peers, then pick good peers. I remember the story that was told, and I think it's probably been told in the Virgin Bible study before, but... Uh, this was about a young lady who was going to marry a fellow who wasn't a Christian. She was, he wasn't. And she, and so the preacher was talking to her about that decision. And so he, he put her up on a stool. And then, and he said, now pull me up there with you. And of course she couldn't do it. She couldn't even get close to pulling him up to her, to where she was. Then he gave just a slight tug and pulled her right off. And the, the, and the point was, it's easier to pull someone down than to pull someone up. That That's true in choosing a mate, but it's true in choosing companions, too. It's easier for them to pull you down than for you to pull them up. 
877-381-4567 in the chat room tonight. We want to hear from you. You know, Greg, I'm reminded of a story you told about someone one a little while back of a person that was going and doing a prison ministry. And in the process of doing that, all the prisoners that he was surrounded with while he's trying to teach them the gospel cussed and used all sorts of bad language and said, for he knew what was going on in that too long at a time. Uh, next thing he knew, he was using the same kind of language they was because he was surrounded by these people and hearing that constantly. If we surround ourselves with people that's doing bad things, we're going to be doing what they do. No it's just the way it is. No matter. That's right. No matter how strong you think you are, they're going to be a temptation. Um, Kent said, God's people, whether it be those who are faithful during the Old Testament or the faithful Christians from Pentecost onward, have always been, always will be a minority. And that's a good point to make that we got to accept the fact that we're not going to be the in crowd, and we're not, and we're taking, we're taking a, a, a stance, and we're we're following a course in our lives that is not the the, the norm, and will never be. Just accept that. And get back to the point we've made several times: be willing to be different. Yep. First Peter three talks about the few that were saved in Noah's time. We'll talk about Noah in a minute, but we are going to be in the minority. We need to be the ones that are not part of this world. Um, and so we uh, are realizing that we are strangers and pilgrims. Uh, that uh, verse 13 of Hebrews 11, these all died in faith, not having received their promises, but having seen them afar off and were sure of them, embrace them and confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. That's what we are here. This isn't our home, and we're going to be the odd one out. Yeah. And we need to be willing to be, do that. The next observation we had, we're talking about things we can do to help our young people. The next observation we made was help our young people realize that they don't need to be afraid of what other people say. They don't need to fear other people's opinions. So if I'm trying, I'm a young person and I'm trying to live faithfully to the Lord. And so that means, for instance, I'm not going to the prom. Well, a lot of people say, oh, man, people are going to make fun of you. People are going to say ugly things about you if you don't. I mean, because everybody's going to the prom. Well, I, you know, what's the worst they can do? The worst they can do is say something. that It's not like they're going to shove splinters up underneath your fingernails or something. You know, you just think about some kind of torture. They're not going to torture you. You know, they're not going to tie you to a post and beat you with a whip. Now, there have been places and in, 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 in times in history where that happened to Christians, but it's not happening to us. Yeah, but I don't think it was because they didn't go to the prom. But, no, but because they took a stand. That's right. The they took a stand, right. Uh, you know, and that's one of those things where the fear is, I, I don't. I think, can we say always worse than the reality? Have you ever, has, has the, the mocking and the ridicule ever been worse than you envisioned it in your mind when you thought, I'm going to have to take a stand? Yeah. I, I mean, it, we, Actually, I think... And, and, Anybody who matters will respect you for your conviction, even if they don't agree. Yeah. And if they're the kind of person who can't even appreciate a person of conviction living for their convictions, then what do you care what they think? But you, even <laughs> even some of the vilest people that you've been around when you took, took a stand respected yeah. you for yeah. that. Yeah. And if they're a person who can't even see that far, why do you care what they think anyway? Yeah. So don't worry. Paul said, First uh, Corinthians chapter 4. Let me read this to you. Paul, Paul was not concerned about that. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, he says in verse 3, With me it's a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self, for I know nothing by myself. Yet 
am I not hereby justified? But he that judges me is the Lord. Paul said, you know, I, I don't, I don't really care if you have a bad opinion, because to me, the only opinion that matters is what the Lord thinks of me. Money. You know, really, we shouldn't care what other people think about us. <laughs> we should be only concerned with what God thinks, because nobody in this whole entire world can save me from my sins and take me to heaven. Only God can do that. And so he's really the only one that it matters what they think. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Kent in Georgia says, Fear not them which kill the body, and, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to kill That's both, a good verse. destroy both body and soul in hell. Matthew 10, verse 28. Thank good you, verse. Kent, for that. Good verse. All right. Should we get a break? Yeah, let's grab a break, and we'll rush to the top of the hour. Going to the top of the hour after this. Lots to talk about. And we got to get into this idea of compromise. And the peer pressure is going to try and get us to compromise. We'll talk about that before we get into the break. And, and then... You're the only one that's going to be have to do good. You, everybody else is doing it. Anybody in the Bible ever been in those shoes? And how'd they deal with it? We'll talk about that on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The Worship Bible Study continues right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. Warning. This is to make you aware of a disorder plaguing American and the metro area. BDD, Bible Deficit Disorder. Many people are not getting enough Bible in their daily lives. Are you? Answer the following questions to see if you might be suffering from BDD. Do you answer spiritual questions by saying, I think, instead of the Bible says? Do you depend on religious authors and pastors to tell you what to believe? When Benny Hinn says, this is your day for a miracle, do you believe him? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you might be suffering from BDD, Bible Deficit Disorder. The College View Church of Christ is dedicated to fighting BDD by teaching the Bible We focus on Christ by following his word. Don't succumb to BDD, Bible Deficit Disorder. Fight it by joining us for Bible study on Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. As long as there is breath in your body, it is not too late to fight Bible Deficit Disorder. We'll see you this Sunday at the College View Church of Christ. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. While some families must utilize the services of daycare centers, others use such centers merely to increase their buying power by putting both parents in the workforce. A comprehensive study of American families discovered that, quote, even among dual-wage earning couples, nine out of every ten believe that children are better off being raised with a mother at home rather than in a daycare setting. That information is via Family Research Council. The Word of God says in Titus 2, beginning verse 4, Encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be dishonored. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. Back on the program tonight as we talk about peer pressure going to the top of the hour and look at things that we should be aware of about peer pressure and things that we need to be encouraging and supporting our children in as they face peer pressure in their daily hey, lives. Hey, Jacob, I've got a, I've got a comment uh, on YouTube from Caleb, hey, Caleb, who says it's a great thing when one can have a good, godly influence on his worldly peers. In other words, it'd be good for me to influence them. But he says one must be honest concerning his spiritual strength. And he references the parable of the sower where the thorns grew up and choked out oh. some who initially believed. Yeah. And so he's saying, it, it's great. I think it's a great observation, Caleb. It's good for me to think that I can influence others for the Lord, and I should be trying to do so. 
But you got to be realistic and, and realize you get yourself in a crowd of peers who are doing the wrong thing, and there's a strong pull there. Don't don't overestimate your strength to resist that peer pressure. Good good observation, Caleb. Thank you, Caleb, for that. Appreciate you listening tonight. All right, as we go on, four more points to discuss, and uh, you're going to have about two or three minutes a point. All right. Uh, we said uh, uh, next point, never be ashamed of your convictions. Jesus said in uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 26, Whosoever shall be ashamed of me and my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in the Father's and of the holy angels. Uh, Jesus said, don't be ashamed or I'll be ashamed of you. So we've got to be strong not to be ashamed of what we believe and what we stand for. I think that's really an important thing. And we need to help our young people uh, to reach that level, not to be ashamed. Not to not to fear what others will think of us, as we said just a minute ago. So I think that's really important. All right. Uh, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever we go. Now, that was in a physical sense, but we need to be emphasizing that to our children in a spiritual sense. They should not be ashamed. They need to be strong and courageous. Yeah. You know, our, our young people need to understand that they have as much right to their convictions as this other person sure. has to theirs. I mean, exactly. I, I got as much right to my opinion if it's a matter of opinion or my convictions and beliefs as someone else does. So if someone else doesn't agree with me, okay, you don't agree with me, but I don't need to be ashamed of it. I should be equally available or be willing to share my opinion just exactly. like they do. Good observation. Yeah, Good. absolutely. All right, we said uh, we, we noted we need to convince our young people and help them realize that confessing Christ is an ongoing responsibility. Luke chapter 12, verse 8, Jesus said, Whosoever shall confess me before men, him will I confess before uh, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denieth me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. And that confession is not just something that you do once. You know, I, I confessed Christ when I obeyed the gospel, and that, that got that. I, I covered that. I don't have to think about that anymore. No, confession is an ongoing thing. Uh, in Titus chapter 1, verse 16, Paul said to Titus about some unfaithful ones, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient and to every good work reprobate. So we got to keep confessing him. With our mouth and with our deeds, we got to keep confessing our faith in Christ. All right. And guest 6680 in the chat room says, Providing opportunities for children to be around good examples of people of all ages instead of just their current peer group is very important. I like that. I think that's really important. We, I, I, I do think there's an emphasis, and I think it's not in this place to try and get our young people around other young people, good young people, believing uh, believers, uh, other young Christians, which is fine. But, you know, our young people can really benefit from being around older Christians, too. And I, it seems to me, and I may be off, on, you may not agree with my impression of this, but it seems to me that the young people are not being encouraged to to be around older Christians, to sit and listen to them talk and uh, relate their life's experience I think parents would do well, and it would help them about this peer pressure thing to encourage uh, their young people to sit at the feet of older Christians, too, and listen to them. Uh, amen to that. Appreciate that comment, 66. You know, how, how are we ever going to learn the wisdom of the ages if we don't go where it's at? 
Uh, yeah. Young people typically aren't terribly wise. Older people are more likely to be wise. So if we're, as young people, we need to associate around those older people so we can absorb that wisdom and find you, out you how get, they handled life and maybe emulate it in our own. You get a bunch of young people together, and they may be all good kids, but there's still not a lot of wisdom there and very little there's maturity. Not. That's right. And so our young people will benefit from not just being isolated in those kind of peer groups, but get them get them a broader base of peers. In other words, uh, I'm an old man, but I'm a peer with a teenager who's a Christian because we have something in common. We both serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're peers in that sense. Let's build that peer group. Your teenager doesn't have it all figured out, and there's it's dangerous to put them in a group of other maybe believing teenagers who don't have it all figured out. It'd be much better if they were associated from time to time with Folks who have figured it, it out. It doesn't have to always be that way, but it ought to be that way sometimes. And get the wisdom of, hey, listen, yeah. I made a mistake when I was your age, and I, and I would do it differently this time, uh, or here's how I made did it when I was your age, and it worked out. So, I, 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 I think yeah. that's a, right. an important point. Okay. All right, real quickly, compromise is defeat. You compromise uh, with, with your peer situation, and you have lost the battle. No compromises. No compromises. Uh, Jesus said when he'd cast out a demon and the person didn't do anything positive with with that benefit, the spirit that went out of the man walks through dry places seeking rest, finds none. He says, I will return to my house whence I came. And he cometh and he findeth it swept and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last day of the man is worse than the first. Uh, the idea of that is if you don't fill your life with good, if you allow compromise, you're going to you're going to lose the battle. And that was preceded by Jesus statement. Verse 23. He that's not with me is against me. He that gathers not with me scattereth. Kent in Calvin, Georgia says, while confessing Christ is a condition in the gospel plan of salvation. I think I've uh, that's the it, previous, uh, yeah. Yeah, eight, eight, read eight. Yeah. The only thing to compromise with the devil will bring is that that of leaving lost people in their sins and bringing those who were formerly faithful into a state of condemnation. John seven or John second John nine. Through 11. And then uh, I think we missed a couple of his. Uh, he says we should never, talking about being ashamed of our convictions, he says we should never be ashamed of our convictions. In the home we teach that ch- we teach to teach our children the truth of God clearly, consistently, and continually. We need to teach them how to properly com- communicate as well as to defend it. In other words, don't be ashamed of it. Actually, don't be ashamed of what you believe. Actually defend and give an answer. Be ready to give an answer to every man that asks you the reason and hope to send you with meekness and fear. First Peter 3, verse 15. Philippians 1, 17 and Jude 3 are verses that he uh, references as well. And then he talks about confessing Christ. He says, well, confessing Christ is a condition in the gospel plan of salvation that qualifies penitent believers to be baptized for the remission of sins. Confessing Christ is also a divine obligation as an ongoing responsibility in order to be faithful as Christians. We, while the confession is a truth that we state regarding the deity of Christ, it also involves a specific manner of life that we live, Matthew 10, 32, and 33. Thank you for that, Kent. All right. Our final point was, and I think this is really an important point, to help our young people to understand that they are not the first ones to ever deal with this sort of a thing, that actually the faithful people, God, those who have been right with God, have had to stand out and stand alone all through time. And maybe one of the very best examples of that in, in all of history is Noah. Yes. And Genesis chapter 6, uh, 
it says in verse 5, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him in his heart. And the Lord said, I'll destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So you talk about standing alone. Literally in the whole world. The only righteous people were Noah and his wife and his three sons and their wives. Eight people. You talk about being in a minority. We think we live in bad times, and I think we do. But they're not as bad as the times were of Noah's day. And yet he resisted all the pressure to conform to the evil norms of his world. And he stood right with God. uh, And he was obedient, faithful and obedient. uh, And he saved himself and his family from the flood. But... And again, that's not just a children's fairy tale story. That's a real example of a faithful servant of God. Realize that faithful people of God have always had to stand out and stand alone and resist the the pressures of the evil world around. You talk about some wicked peer pressure there. The only one trying to do what's right. And you know, he, by standing for what's right and by having faith, was an example to his three boys, no doubt the peer pressure they had. And by faith in Hebrews 11, verse 7, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with a godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Noah had faith that allowed him to withstand that peer pressure. And don't you imagine his kids saw that yeah. and were willing to take a similar stand to get on that boat and uh, be saved from the from the wickedness around them. Uh, certainly, some powerful peer pressure that they overcame. Um, I tell you another example, real quick. We're just out of time, but another example that stands out in my mind is Elijah, when he contended with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. There were 450 prophets of Baal, but the text also in in this uh, in First Kings 18, First Kings 18 verse 19 says there were also 400 other. Prophets of the groves, they are called. So really, it wasn't 450 to one. It was 850 to one. And then on top of that, all the children of Israel just standing back, and they wouldn't make a commitment. Uh, Elijah came to the people, said, How long halt you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. In other words, they wouldn't take their side with him. And so he was contending with the 450 prophets of Baal, the 400 prophets of the groves, and all the other people would not stand with him. He stood alone in that mighty contest on Mount Carmel, but he was willing to do it. One of the great faithful prophets of God, Elijah. It's just, and you can repeat the story. You could just keep, you can just keep throwing these heroes of faith in there. But that's what that's what God's heroes do, and that's what we've got to do. Yes, absolutely. It doesn't matter who is with us. God is with us, and we're on his side, and that's all that matters. We need to be showing our children that we're strong and courageous in spite of the odds and uh, that they should be as well. Yeah, exactly right. goes back to your first point uh, that our relationship to God has to take first priority. We need to be living it. We need to be expecting that of our kids as well. Exactly right. All right. Monty, final thoughts from you? Well, it just boils down like we just said. Uh, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. All that matters is what God thinks. <clears throat> we need to be living our life in such a way that he'll be pleased with us. And if we'll do that, everything will be okay. All right. Good. 
Pat, uh, anything from you? I think it's an important thing. Yeah, uh, we need to pray for our young people. We need to yep. pray for the parents of our young people. It's a hard thing, and 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 you can't be nonchalant about it. You got to take it head on. All right, we're gonna uh, wrap it up for now, and we hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word, and we hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first. Your life study has inspired word of the Bible. And live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.